Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, uh, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here you hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. Well, the fog has lifted from the days of gloom, but mystery and intrigue won't go far from the show, and indeed, uh, if you look out your window, at least here in Portland, Maine, there's plenty of the white stuff around to keep you from forgetting that the impending holidays of holidays are on their way. <clears throat> Don't worry, though, I will not disappoint you with uh, plenty of holiday programming coming up in the lineup. However, before we get there, we're going to take one uh, little trek into another world. Uh, today's story is one of my own, uh, but it was produced this time by the great talents over at Central Audio Theater. Uh, they're out of uh, Michigan. Uh, we've heard them back in July, I think it was, with the tale uh, Havencroft's Secret about a small town. Uh, with a very dark secret, and today we revisit Sir Grace, the great knight whose own pride dooms him, and I believe this is its debut, uh, it, well, it's its debut in Maine, and uh, on uh, the Radio Drama Revival podcast, um, I think it'll be part of the Central Audio Theater podcast at centralaudiotheater.org, they're still working on a couple of uh, technical things. This is also uh, the first tale that I've ever had uh, produced by someone who's not me, so I uh, enjoyed having the time to hear something that was a little different than how I envisioned it, uh, but was still pretty interested with how it came out. Hope you enjoy Fall of the Hero. WMHW-FM presents Fall of the Hero, an original production of Central Audio Theatre. Fall of the Hero is scripted by Frederick Greenhalge, produced by Greer Thibodeau, directed by Lucas Keppel, and heard by you. Check out the Central Audio Theater podcast online. Just go to centralaudiotheater.org or search your podcast directory of choice. Long ago, in a different age, there was a hero, a stately knight known through the lands as his king's hand of justice and slayer of all breeds of monsters, a proud warrior known as Sir Grace. Boy. Yes, my lord? Where is my steed? I commanded you to retrieve her ten minutes ago. Sorry, my lord, but you also commanded me to retrieve your blade and shield, which I have for you now. And what did you do? Stand before the pawn to see how you look while wielding them. Hand the blade to me. Of course. Bring me my steed and tell me no longer. I have a date with a wizard. I shall not be late. Yes, my lord. The morning sun struck the shield and armor of Sir Grace as he stood impatiently. His coat of arms, a lion swallowing a snake, emblazoned the shield of three generations of the king's mightiest champion. His blade, Redeemer, felled ogres and withers. His meekle armor withstood the claws of harpies and breath of dragons. Friend and foe alike bowed to Grace's imperturbable strength, courage, and honor. Yet today was different. In all the realms, there was only one thing that Grace feared, and that was magic users. Their power derived from a source that Grace knew must be evil. And today, he came at the beckoning of the most infamous of all, Roland Piero de Arcanus. Here she is, my lord. Ah, Nightshade. You look strong and well this morning. She's fed, rested, shod. Yes, my lord. I pity for your troubles then. Hey! Roland Fiero de Arcanus was not evil. 
However, his skill with the arcane and role dictated by the fates made his name one that caused peasants to shudder. This saddened him, but he stood by the role with unwavering resolution. Good, evil, they were just opposite sides of a coin, phrases that balanced out the other in the unseen order of the universe. Roland accepted his role as mediator in the balance, forsaking human life and emotions, gaining the intangible gifts of the cosmos instead. Today, he needed to test another figure that tipped the scales. While nature needs heroes as well as villains, Roland fretted that one may too easily turn into the other. Great heroes may become tyrants. And if that happened, the whole world might spiral into chaos. No one was immune from the temptation birthed from their virtue, and as Roland peered down at the road-weary hero from his looming tower, he wondered. Perhaps this will be the one. We are in great need of a messiah. What vile creature must live here? The thick stench of rot hung in the air, radiating from a vast swamp that surrounded the narrow path Sir Grace had trod. In all directions were twisted trees, knotted like men stretching out in their dying poses. The monolithic tower rose at the end of the path, a single mass of slate gray stone that disappeared into a mass of low-lying clouds. It had no doors, no windows, no distinguishing features at all. It was so unimpressive that it may as well be remarkable. Pardon, Nightshade, but you'll need to remain here until I return. Trod not far into this evil place. Wizard! Sir Willem Grace comes at your calling. Slayer of the dragon Zirgrid and Eulis the giant. Defender of King Herod, who has named me arm of his justice and fire of his vengeance. Damn you! I will not be taken for a fool. A door-sized chunk of wall dissolved, revealing only darkness within. God, accursed magic. I shall see you at the top, then. Who was that? Blast. What trickery is this? He pulled a torch from his rucksack, which lit of its own accord. The fire spat and danced and cast dismal shapes against the dark blue walls. The shadows grew into contorted, agonized bodies. As Grace strode to the upward staircase, 
glowing stacks of gold blinded Grace as he finished his ascent. Diamonds, emeralds, and rubies spilled over enormous stacks of riches which reached to the ceiling, burying gem-encrusted scepters, necklaces, and rings. Aye, and it's all for the taking. Anything you want is yours. Rich as a king and emperor, you could buy your own army. Fah! A kingdom, your own kingdom. An empire all your own. With any meaning you could imagine. Enough. Against the walls were naked shapes sprawled in every form of lovemaking. The air clotted him like excited hands as he staggered across the chamber. We fulfill all your dreams. Even the ones you won't admit. <laughs> Burn. All of you. And then, it was dark. The flame on his torch ate itself, and Grace cast it aside in disgust. Accursed magic. Grace was suddenly disoriented in this strangest of the chambers. He stood still, yet could not help feel that he was moving, though in what direction he could not tell. He staggered forward, and realized his feet were not even on the ground. Let go of me. Let's go. Stupid, stupid little knight. I have you now. You fiendish devil. Step out so that I might smite thee. You couldn't smite a roach without stabbing it in the behind, could you? <laughs> you couldn't squash a bug unless you gave it the drop. Watch your words, little villain. I have snapped an ogre's neck with my bare hands. Where are your bare hands now? <laughs> Grace stepped back a moment, having hardly noticed his shining blade redeemer was in his hands. The holy blue light illuminated a path to another stairwell, but he ignored it in a furious search for the imp. I'll skewer you and roast your hide before feeding it to the rats. Rats? <laughs> Grace spun and the blue glow dodged off a shape darting around the circular chamber. His split-second judgment was enough to detect the speed at which the creature was trotting and aim his blade to reckon. You must use the rats! The dirty things! No woman wants to do with you! <laughs> For King Helen! Ah! Ah! You got me! Enough! Enough! You'll pay for your trickery, demon. No! Not before you burn in hell. The wiry creature stared at Grace with features all too human as its life poured out onto the black tiles. Grace threw it off his blade in a dismissive gesture. You're next, wizard. Grace ascended a staircase that wound longer and narrower than all the others. The more he walked, the more he felt that he was not moving at all. 
as though he were treading through quicksand. But still, he walked. He fought a feeling of vertigo as he crossed the threshold into a vast observatory with commanding views of the kingdom. Across the stone floor stood a figure shrouded in gray robes, almost a statue himself, save for golden eyes that glowed from within a heavy cowl. Its stringy fingers wore no rings, carried no staves. He could imagine a skeleton supported its weight. But the voice of Roland Fierro de Arcanus was no skeleton's. I bid you greetings, Sir Grace. I have heard great things of you. Indeed? The slaying of the Chimera Malodun, or the defeat of the trolls at Silverdale, maybe the death of the ogre Karuch. I have come at your call, O wizard, but I fear you no more than the beasts I have slain in my days prior. Brave you may be, but without manners. Remember that you are a guest in my home. And what a way to treat your guests. How do you account for the trickery that you have showered upon me? How do you account for the pitiless slain of my familiar? A worthy fate that shall soon be yours if you do not stop weaving your silvery web. As I have my answer, Sir Knight, so you shall have yours. I have invited you here to test your virtue, and you have answered abundantly clear. Then let us dance the dance, and I shall cut you down like I did your pathetic man-thing. So be it, warrior, for time tells us your kind shall never be at harmony with magic. For King Helen! I shall have you by the neck! No! Silence! Fiend! The knight awoke in a dim barn, without dignity. He lay sprawled in a mound of hay, his ragged wounds patched, but naked save for a burlap sack that covered his loins. He leapt up and pain roared in his side. His mind drowned with disorientation. His knees quaked. He grabbed at the burlap sack as it dropped, struggling to keep the last tatters of his pride. The door at the far end of the humble barn opened, letting in light. And a fair-haired maiden, her arms heavy with a tray of fruits and oatmeal. Ah, kind sir, you have awoken at last. I had begun to worry. Where am I? How did I get here? Tell me these things, woman. My lord, please be not so harsh. I have tended you for weeks. Then you would know what has happened to my sword and my armor. No, my lord, I would not. Don't play dumb with me, woman. One moment I was locked in combat with a terrible mage. Moments from victory, holding the holy blade redeemer high. And next I went to some poor wench in a stable. This is an outrage. Outrage, my lord. I found you a disheveled, wretched brute, naked in a ditch, and took you to the shelter of my home. Here I have slaved over you, hiding you from my father, praying that you awake. When you do, all you have to offer me are insults and wild stories. Begone, accursed man. Pardon me, lady. Pray forgive me, and let me be at your service. 
Let me do all that I may to reconcile my terrible words. Let me speak to my father. The maiden's father, a wiry, aging widower, was not pleased to see a ruggedly handsome man appear at his doorstep, nor to hear his daughter plead to let this man stay under their roof. Yet the summer was coming, and he could hardly attend to the tasks around the house, let alone the farm. So Sir Grace's accommodations in the barn were extended till harvest time. Grace soon discovered that wielding a plow and shovel was no easier than his sword and shield. With the strength of an ox, he plowed, dug, chopped, sawed, and nailed. He pulled weeds, sanded edges, sharpened rusty tools. And as he toiled in the summer sun, it was not only corn and beans that grew, but love. Though he slept on a threadbare bed and slaved in the dirt from dusk till dawn, Sir Grace was prouder than when he fought any knoll or giant. The maiden was as surprised as he with the dedication with which he fulfilled his promise. And soon they both knew that he had repaid his debt in full several times over. The father, being no fool to men and maidens, bought a fierce dog and tied it between the rooms of the two lovers. But no beast could come between hearts, drunk by the September moon. My lord! Milady, what may I do for you? Keep shoveling. Don't let my father see that we have been scheming. Very well. Have we been scheming? If we may, my lord. I was hoping that perhaps tonight we could steal away. There is a beautiful grove not far from here, where we may love by the light of the moon. And you would welcome me? By any means, my lord. I am yours. Then shall I arouse you? Meet me by the edge of the woods, an hour after nightfall. I dare not bear a lantern, but I shall wait for you there. And I shan't be late. Sir Grace found it difficult to shovel for the rest of the day. And when the father looked to see what he had left unfinished, Grace could only account that the sun had at last taken its toll on him. Though Grace had yet to finish a day's work less than that of ten men, the father accepted the excuses solemnly and they spent the remainder of the afternoon rolling dice. Through dinner, a porridge stew with lamb, Grace fought not to stare too long at the maiden, and instead to be good company with her father, who was uneasy about the coming harvest time, and if he should have the hands to take down the crops which were to be thrice or more what had grown in the past. Grace muttered an evasive answer, and the dinner ended quietly, Grace bidding an early retirement to his loft in the barn. The minutes stretched on like hours as Grace impatiently paced the room, cursing himself for being so easily perturbed. He's been a good lord to me, knowing me not from a vagabond. To violate his trust would breach my honor. Yet, damn it, the woman is too sweet to resist. 
He agonized until the appointed time came when he crept outside without hesitation. A half-moon lit the path to the edge of the forest, across the well-tended fields, and through tendrils of thin mist. He walked boldly through the night, but she was not there. Milady, are you out here? Don't play me as the fool. I wait where you told me. Is this some game then? Am I meant to chase you into the forest? Very well. Lady, lady, where did you go? What, what trickery is this? I... Grace froze as his eyes adjusted to the interior of this parcel of woods. Just past the threshold, the trees became twisted, barren abominations, their roots knotted in damp, swampy ground. And beyond it, deeper into the forest, he could see a figure moving towards him. Curse me to the pits of the netherworld. The figure wore his armor and bared his naked blade, Redeemer, in a gauntleted hand. The mithril radiated glorious blue in the half-moon, yet it was hard to tell where the apparition ended and the mist began. Fiend! Those are my possessions, given to me by friends to celebrate my glorious deeds. Return them to me, or you shall pay. He briefly glanced over his shoulder and suddenly found he had no orientation in the dim mist, only a clear line of sight to the mysterious apparition, who now stopped and stood bold. So be it, demon. I shall tear your throat from your neck and send you back to hell. No, my knight! He turned his head to see the maiden in a thin slip, fighting her way through the branches that clawed at her like searching hands. The slip tore off her, and she stretched out her arms to him, shivering and naked in the misty night. Forget these trinkets and come to me. Let us lead a simple life. Don't kill yourself for blind pride. Foolish woman, you know nothing of battle. See now the greatness of my glory. Grace lunged toward the figure, which fought back with inhuman strength, flinging him across a snarled branch and into the mud. It swung the blade down, but Grace rolled out of the way and rose back to his feet, wielding a heavy stump. The figure swung the blade again, and Grace threw the stump solidly against its chest. The figure staggered back a moment, and Grace lunged again, this time throwing the apparition against the ground. They struggled, locked in combat like two furious rams, until Grace howled a battle cry into the air and ripped Redeemer loose from the hands of the creature. In a solid, unthinking motion, he swept the blade straight down through the figure's chest, watching as golden eyes flickered briefly before fading away. My love, I have recovered my honor. 
May armor, surely now you shall take my hand in marriage. You have witnessed that I am a titan amongst men. He turned to her, but she did not share his revelry, but stood hugging her shivering naked body, her eyes cast to the dark earth. Then why have you fallen, Sir Grace? Dispel your toil and humility for avarice and pride. Do you not see who you have truly slain? Her words cut him deeper than hard steel. He looked down at his chest and groaned. Blood spat from the same spot where he had sunk his blade into the apparition. No, milady, this is trickery. I am yours. His blurring vision could barely focus on her as the woods shifted into another reality altogether. The mist receded into the dank waters of a swamp. The proud trees twisted into agonized shapes. And in the distance, looming over it all, was a dull gray tower. Another figure emerged from the shadows, the maiden's father. But no, it was the wizard. He placed a hand on the shoulder of the shivering maiden and met the eyes of the hero just once before glancing away. The last blood spilled from Sir Grace's body now, and as he moved to speak to the wizard, he saw in horror his arms turn to wood, his feet root themselves in the swamp waters as the moss hungrily slurped his blood. But I... Uh... His last words were lost to the cry of the awakening wind. A wind which rose from the belly of the earth and spilled up across mountains and plains, beaches and tundra. The wind echoed and danced across the land, praising the humble magician who had restored the balance once more. You just heard Central Audio Theater's production of Fall of the Hero, an original radio play by Frederick Greenhalgh. Heard in the cast were Erica Quinn as the narrator, Chandler Pickett as Sir Grace, Michael Donner as Roland, Nick Page as the imp, Tara Yenger as the maiden, Andrew Martin as the squire, Danny Inman as man, and Elisa Swick as woman. The Central Audio Theater Directors Council consists of sound effects director Jonathan Mann, technical director Matt Coppage, music director Joseph Kay, promotions and financial director Tammy Walker, and faculty advisor Trey Stolman. The producer of Follow the Hero was Greer Thibodeau, the director Lucas Keppel, and the assistant director Elisa Swick. Central Audio Theater is a student-run organization affiliated with WMHWFM and Central Michigan University. For more information on Central Audio Theater, go to centralaudiotheater.org. And that was Fall of the Hero, a story penned by me and produced by Central Audio Theater. And you can check out more of their work at centralaudiotheater.org. And next week, well, I guess we are going to reluctantly submit to Christmas. Um, for those who don't celebrate Christmas, well, uh, start producing your own radio dramas. <laughs> uh, this is The Charming Tale by Wireless Radio Theater, a great new production company from across the pond. Yes, uh, we'll take the next trip, uh, Transatlantic Journey. And we're going to hear the story, Waiting for Father Christmas. And if you can't wait that long, recall you can always catch up on our previous episodes of the podcast and blog, www.radiodramarevival.com. 
can also read more audio theater news, reviews, and discussion, as well as subscribe to the weekly show. And if you prefer, check us out on the iTunes Store. Do a search for Radio Drama Revival. And that wraps up for this week's show. Uh, Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week.